Welcome. My name is Natasha Sherman, and I am your host. And my guest today is Joe Mangano. He is the executive director for the Radiation and Public Health Project in New York. And the Radiation and Public Health Project is a nonprofit educational and scientific organization established by scientists and physicians dedicated to understanding the relationships between low-level nuclear radiation and public health. Joe is the author of 38 medical journal articles and the books Radioactive Baby Teeth, The Cancer Link, Mad Science, The Nuclear Power Experiment, and Low-Level Radiation and Immune Disease, An Atomic Era Legacy. Joe, welcome. Nice to be here. Thank you. Thank you for being my guest. I know we talked years ago about another project, which we'll talk about a little later, hopefully. But I'd just like to dive right in because there's so much here. So I'm going to start with reading a paragraph from an article that you wrote with Robert Alvarez in the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists. It says, how many nuclear weapons can be detonated in support of weapons development or during a war before imperiling humans from radioactive fallout? That's the question the Atomic Energy Commission asked in the 1950s. And to find the answer, independent scientists and citizens turned to baby teeth. Lots and lots of baby teeth. So why baby teeth and what were you doing with them? Well, we're turning the clock way back to the 1950s. And that was the beginning of the atomic age. The atomic bombs on Japan had been had been dropped and followed very quickly by a race between the U.S. and the Soviet Union to test and build as many uh, atomic bombs as possible for what both sides believe was going to be an inevitable nuclear war. Um, it was a very disturbing time. I know we live in, in disturbing times now, but... Uh, this this may arguably might have, might have been worse because we, we really were talking about potential world destruction. Um, in all, um, about 500 atomic bombs were tested above the ground during the period. In America or America and Russia or around the world? Uh, out of the 500, uh, the U.S. had 216, the Soviets probably a little less, and then the remainder were England, France, and right. China. So here we are. We The atomic bomb was dropped on Hiroshima. Death and destruction and radiation and all of that. And now we start doing that above ground, testing it as if there are no consequences? Uh, pretty much. The, the military mindset was in, in control here. I mean, the military leaders and, and a number of political leaders on both sides, the U.S. and Soviet sides, uh, saw this as a way to, um, to win wars. And so it, let's kind of fast forward to, okay, somewhere along the way, we got a clue that this is not good for us. Uh, and now you're talking about baby teeth. So how did that come about? Well, as, as the testing went on and as the concern about nuclear war went on, there was also a concern that with every bomb explosion, those big mushroom clouds, 
um, the fallout, which consisted of a, over a hundred radioactive chemicals that you don't find in nature, but only when atomic bombs explode or nuclear reactors operate. These hundred chemicals got way up in the stratosphere, drifted with prevailing winds and came back into the environment through rain and snow, through precipitation, and thus got into the food chain in through reservoirs, through uh, farms, um, and um, really went all the way around the, the world and everybody living at the time um, consumed these uh, poisonous products. And thus, a, the question was raised, uh, is this harmful uh, to humanity? The party line uh, of leaders in both countries was, no, no, these, are, these levels are too low to cause harm. But many, many people didn't believe that. We had, we had to prove that. And the, the way baby teeth came around was it was the, probably the easiest way to detect um, levels of this fallout in bodies. And because, um, first of all, there is out of the 100, over 100 chemicals in the fallout clouds, there's one, one of them was called strontium-90, um, a very, very deadly um, uh, poison. And uh, it is a lot like calcium. When the body takes it in, it quickly goes into the stomach and into the bloodstream and then attaches to bone and teeth where it remains for a lifetime. And as opposed to other ways to check how much radiation got into bodies, which would involve autopsies and biopsies and, and blood samples and urine samples, this was a matter of um, uh, baby teeth that, that naturally fell out of bodies. If they could be collected and tested for this level, for levels of this chemical, strontium-90, we would get an idea of uh, how much was, was getting in the body. So, and, and this was not just a um, fly-by-night idea. An article in the journal Nature in 1958, and a federal scientist, Herman Kalkar, proposed a worldwide census of baby teeth. And in the so United then what States, happened? Well, in the United States, um, this, this article was read, including by several uh, scientists and physicians from Washington University in St. Louis. They got together and said, you know what? This, this is really important. We have to do this. This is the only way we're going to halt the, the, the ongoing number of, of these terrible tests is to prove it's getting in our children's bodies and to prove it's, that the levels are getting higher and higher. So in 1958, uh, a, a coalition of two groups, one was Washington University, the scientists, and the other was the Citizens Group, Committee for Nuclear Information, both based in St. Louis, got together and pledged to do the study. And over the next dozen years or so, they collected an incredible 320,000 baby teeth, mostly from the St. Louis area, but really from all around the country and even overseas. Te teeth were tested in a specialty lab, and uh, the findings were 
quite disturbing. They found that the average amount of this chemical, strontium-90, uh, over a 12-year period went up 50 times. Not 50%, 50 times, which is, you know, 5,000% more. So children born in the early 1960s were getting much, much more than those, say, born in 1950. And strontium-90 is associated with cancer, yes? Yes, just like all the other radioactive chemicals in, in, the, yes. in the mushroom cloud. Yes, it, it is a carcinogen and, and has been proved to be so by this time. You know, it was used on, on animals and they all died of, of bone and other cancers. <laughs> so are there statistics that show years later that people were dying at an earlier age or these baby boomers were uh, getting cancer at a higher rate? Uh, before I answer that, let me, let me finish my prior answer, sure. please. Absolutely. To show how, um, how, how much was known about strontium-90 and cancer, um, in 1943, this was during World War II, this is as they were building the original bomb, a letter was written by Robert Oppenheimer to Enrico Fermi. These are two very famous names in American history. Both uh, were working on bomb testing. And Oppenheimer, who later became a, a great critic of the, the bomb and, and, and the proliferation of nuclear weapons, wrote that if our bomb project doesn't work, we could still consider putting strontium-90 in the water system of Nazi Germany, provided it kills at least half a million people. This was kept secret until the mid-1980s. You can, you can easily find it on Google now, but um, that, that's just a, uh, so an that's example how to show you how they, they, knew, they knew that this was really, really bad. So really the worst poisons on the planet. Okay, as far as the health issue, um, the, the purpose of the baby tooth study was to stop testing, was to get a ban on above ground testing, which did happen in 1963. However, um, as efforts were made to, to reach this goal, there was discussion about, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna get these tests stopped hopefully, but in the meantime, are they harming our children? There was an article, for example, in Newsweek magazine in 1960, but what about the children who've done their growing through uh, dur during these tests, are they at greater risk for cancer? Uh, and there was even discussion uh, in St. Louis about whether or not there should be a um, follow-up study, following children to see how much uh, of this strontium-90 they received and their health later on. It wasn't done for technical reasons and for funding reasons. But that's where the story picks up m many years later. Um, I, I, I should say, too, that, uh, th again, the test ban treaty was signed in August 1963 by Kennedy and Khrushchev and, and the UK. So and just, I just want to ask you a question here. Uh, so they banned above-ground testing. Uh, underground testing continued. Just briefly, is there any indication that that has 
health consequences. Underground testing, which continued until the end of the Cold War, about 1990, um, does have health consequences as well. There were a number of, of leaks into the environment. Um, okay. But at much, much lower levels than the ab above ground tests. Right. And uh, the, the, the point I was going to make was when the debate was on about the test ban treaty, Kennedy gave a speech from the White House and uh, in, in, in favor of the treaty. And he said, um, he used the phrase, our children with cancer in their bones, with leukemia in their blood, with poison in their lungs. They are, our children and grandchildren are of concern to us all. So um, the, the point here is not only did he and other public officials know this is a health issue, he said with children with cancer in their bones, as, as I said a few minutes ago, strontium 90 goes directly to, to bone and teeth. And because the, <clears throat> the baby tooth study was looking at bomb testing, and because uh, as, as articles were written, they were sent to, to Kennedy's science advisor who shared them with the president, they, they all knew this was, this was a health issue. But no one touched it for, for many, many years. So then what, what results have we got for those baby boomers in terms of seeing them years later and evidence that it impacted them and that they had a higher cancer rate? Well, what happened was in 2001, um, I got a phone call from one of my colleagues in St. Louis from Washington University, Daniel Cole. Uh, I got to know a number of the people who worked on the original tooth study because our group, RPHP, did a similar study, not about bomb testing, but uh, near nuclear reactors, which he, he released the same um, mix of, of chemicals as bombs did. And uh, Dr. Cole told me, he said, I, I'm, we've been in um, looking for storage space and we <laughs> went to this place near St. Louis and we found teeth. And I said, oh, you mean teeth from the old study? He goes, yes, yes. We weren't there long. I'll call you tomorrow. Um, we'll have to spend more time. And the next day he called and said, okay, you better prepare yourself. There are thousands and thousands of teeth. And um, so what, and, and what it turned out to be was out of those 320,000 collected, 100,000 were never tested. And what was left in in several hundred boxes were baby teeth in a, each in a small manila envelope, paper clipped to a card, a three by five card with information about the tooth and who donated the tooth. You know, John Smith, born January 1, 1960, parents, John and Mary, incisor tooth, the address where they were born and, and, and so on. Um, and Washington University donated the teeth to us. They, they had no further use for it. Uh, Barry Commoner, who was an, a, a biologist at Washington U for many years and was a leader of the study, said, no, I don't, I don't have any further use for them. Well, why don't you call Mangano's group? They're doing a, a study of, of baby teeth. We, we so accepted now what, them. Is there, what, what have you done with them? And, I, you know, I want to make sure we get all this in so that people really are aware 
of the results of this. So what have you found? We accepted them because we uh, knew that that the health issue had never been answered, even though this was, you know, 50 years later. Okay, uh, people who donated teeth were now in their 50s and 60s. What, you know, they, they, a number were, were developing cancer or dying. And this was a perfect way to to measure uh, any risk from from the bomb tests because the strontium-90 was still in the body and still could be measured years later. So um, for a, a long time, for about tw 20 years, we didn't do much with them because of a lack of funds. We did do one study where we um, took um, 40 baby teeth uh, and from uh, people born in the late 1950s. We divided them into those who had died of cancer by 50 and those who were alive at 50 had, no, had had no health problems. We tested them in a lab and we found out that the cancer group had more than double the strontium 90 in their teeth as the healthy group. We published it in a medical journal, one of our 38 articles. Um, it, is a, it is a relatively small study, but we, we knew we had something here. And um, the, the we, we are now poised to um, expand this analysis a lot. We, we believe out of, out of the 100,000 teeth, which equates to 37,000 people, you know, some gave more than one tooth, um, out of that, over 6,000 have died and almost 2,000 of them have died of cancer. So the way we're, we're going to be able to, to do this is we partnered with the Harvard University School of Public Health in 2017. They are interested in the baby teeth, not, not for uh, bomb fallout, but for um, health effects later in life of exposure to heavy metals, which can be, can be found in teeth, things like lead and mercury. Um, Harvard got a grant from the federal government, the National Institutes of Health, and the grant paid for the automation, you know, entering into an Excel file of these 100,000 teeth, which gave us the ability to um, conduct this study. And soon we're going to do a request to the National Death Index. We're going to send the names of people in, that donated teeth, and we'll know which one, who, who of them are deceased, when they died, what they died of, including cancer. And we're going to do that same comparison of, of 20 teeth, only on a much larger scale. So I have a question. Uh, you know, the evidence is there. The evidence has been there for a long time. And clearly, uh, we don't take a lot of significant action, or, or the government doesn't take a lot of significant action. So my, I have two questions. Like, what's the end game? We continue providing information, information, but what's the expectation? And the other thing is, uh, if someone watching is like 20 years old and says, well, I'm not a baby boomer, what do I have to be worried about? The question is raised a lot like, okay, that was, that was a very bad period of time, but we no longer test bombs above the ground. We no longer test bombs below the ground. Okay. What's, what's the point? Yes. If the baby boomers were, were affected, um, it, it doesn't happen anymore. The point needs to be made that the, same chemical mix from those big mushroom clouds, the atomic bombs, are, is the same mix that is created 
in nuclear power reactors, released into the environment, or it gets into bodies. And we found out with our, our study of, of baby teeth near reactors. And we are going to compare um, strontium-90 in baby teeth of people born in the 50s and 60s, you know, the baby boomers who got bomb fallout early in life, and today's children living near reactors who got it not from bomb fallout, but from reactor emissions. Who got more? How much more? And when we know what happened to the baby boomers, can we predict what's going to happen to today's children if we continue to operate these nuclear reactors, which we maintain should be shut and replaced by safe forms of energy, such as wind and solar? So it really is, it's not just an idle look at the past. It is really a very relevant project. Uh, so, and I know you, you've been working for a lot of years on collecting evidence around the nuclear power plants, particularly Oyster Creek, as I remember it, and they finally shut that down. Uh, but in today's world, everybody, you know, we're very short-sighted. We want to do what looks like we're taking action and it's effective action and it's right now as opposed to, you know, long forward thinking. And so now uh, the world is saying, yes, we can't depend on oil and this, that and the other thing. And lots of countries are uh, focusing on building more nuclear power plants. Um, there's a lot of talk about building new power plants, but uh, talk often doesn't uh, change, become action. In this country, in the United States, since 1996, no nuclear, new, no new nuclear reactors have opened. They are working on two of them now in Georgia. They began construction in the year 2006. It is now 17 years later. They're not done. The um, original Estimated cost of the project, which was $12 billion, has now, now spiraled past $30 billion and, and counting, okay? Um, which leaves us with, with old, brittle, corroding, leaking nuclear reactors, okay? Um, and from a health standpoint, not just from a, a dollar standpoint or, or an energy standpoint, but from a health standpoint, we have done several studies of what happens to local health when a nuclear plant closes down? And? We found in every, every case, the first two years after shutdown, the, among the very youngest, infant deaths plunged everywhere, and the new cases of cancer in children aged four and younger plunged, right? We, we did a longer-term study of a reactor that closed in Sacramento in the 1980s and found that long-term the, the declines occurred for not just children, but adults as well, um, which equated to something like 4,500 fewer cancer cases in, in 20 years. So you know, yeah, go ahead. That's a key, this is a key point because it's not just all, all doom that if we take action, um, we, we, we can certainly improve the, the, the public health, the health of our children. So, you know, it's it's so interesting. And, and you know, when you've got the evidence and I mean, when you talk about infant deaths plunging and in uh, childhood cancer plunging, 
Why aren't, why isn't this being screamed from the headlines? Like, why aren't people, you know, more mobilized, more educated? More I'm going to say that there are, our society is a, um, society, is a society that's full of problems, full of environmental problems. This is not the only one. I mean, the, the idea of um, climate change is, is a major thing, which, which really has, has caught on. Um, however, I would maintain that even though each of these environmental concerns are serious, there are no more, no worse poisons on the planet than these radioactive chemicals, okay? If we had a, a, a an all-out nuclear war, that would, that would be the end of humanity, all right? Maybe not instantly, but within within a matter sure. of some years. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the reason, I, I'm sorry to say, but uh, I'm convinced that the reason that the, the, the resistance continues is, just like in the 1940s and 50s, the, the, the leaders believe that maintaining an arsenal of nuclear weapons is a strategic advantage militarily over other countries. Um, and anything that makes, that distracts from nuclear weapons, okay, other uses of, of the, the atom, such as nuclear electric power, um, either, either distracts people from the weapons part or, or makes the weapons issue look good. Um, that was really how we got nuclear power in the first place. Eisenhower made a famous speech when he became president, atoms for peace. Yes, the bomb is bad, but we can use the atom for so many different things, including you know, new, new, uh, for electric generation. Um, that, is, that, that mentality still exists today, and that's why reactors are shutting down, 13 shutdowns in the last decade and 92 to go, but um, uh, that's the... It, 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 the shutdowns are slow and yes. dragging their feet on it. So, Joe, we have exactly a minute and a half left. Is there something you want to say, something, some request you have from the audience, just some suggestion? The, the, the final comment I would have is that just like in the baby tooth study years ago, the only way to make a public health change to improve public health is through grassroots efforts, okay? The, the baby tooth study years ago was a wonderful combination of scientists working with citizens to do something for, for the public good. And the same exists here. Everywhere we, we've gone um, with our work and our, our, our health research and our, the evidence about the harm of, of reactors, uh, has been accompanied by concerned citizens trying to um, close down these these dangerous reactors and have them replaced with safe alternatives. So this is really an exercise in democracy and an exercise, exercise in the ability of citizens to affect the world. Thank you. Um, and, and I invite people to check out your website, radiation.org. Uh, you know, uh, there I know you have events and articles and all of that, it's a place to start. Yes, you'll, you'll see right on the homepage, uh, research on 100,000 baby teeth begins and, and yeah. there are, there's, there's much to be, to be read there. Yes, Joe, thank you so much. Um, 
I think we all need to hear this and I appreciate the work that you do. And uh, we can reconnect in a year from now and see what has happened. <laughs> It'll be my pleasure. Thank you. My name is Natasha Sherman. Thank you for joining us.